Hi, and welcome to a special edition of the Magical History Tour. Today is Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and in honor of that, we're going to take a very quick tour of some important moments in the life of Dr. King and the civil rights movement in America. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929, and was assassinated on April 4, 1968. During his life, he was a Baptist minister, political philosopher, activist, and was arguably the most prominent civil rights leader from 1955 until his death. In May of 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court delivered the unanimous ruling in the landmark Brown v. Board of Education case, ruling that segregation in schools was inherently unequal and therefore against the law. About a year and a half later, in December of 1955, an African-American seamstress named Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a Montgomery bus to a white man and she was arrested. A young minister in Montgomery, Alabama named Martin Luther King Jr. became the spokesman for a black boycott of the Montgomery buses. He preached nonviolent civil disobedience, which he said meant refusing to obey morally reprehensible laws such as those that sustain segregation, but without violence. This was very politically effective. It also achieves remarkable solidarity. For 381 days, African Americans and their supporters used carpools, hitchhiked, or walked wherever they needed to go refusing to take the buses. It took over a year, but eventually the bus companies tired of losing money, so the boycotters will win. And in 1956, the Supreme Court will affirm that segregation on public buses was unconstitutional. With a peaceful philosophy and the ability to mobilize supporters through emotional and articulate speeches, Martin Luther King found his place in the civil rights movement. It was his stirring preachings for the power of love that will inspire resistors to turn their energy toward nonviolent resistance. Though not passive, they were committed to behaving nonviolently if and when they were approached or provoked. Nonviolent civil disobedience was a peaceful way to object to a law considered unjust. To continue that movement, King and a group of associates will organize the SCLS, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, in 1957, despite threats of violence and bombings. Over the next few years, the Civil Rights Act of 1957, the first civil rights law passed since Reconstruction, would be passed, establishing the Civil Rights Commission and a new Civil Rights Division in the Justice Department that could seek injunctions to prevent interference with the right to vote. In 1960, another Civil Rights Act would provide for federal court referees to register African Americans to vote in areas where a court found a pattern and a practice of discrimination. It also made it a federal crime to interfere with a court order. These bills lacked teeth, however, and it wasn't until the decade of the 60s that we're going to see significant strides made in the area of civil rights. In 1963, Dr. King and other civil rights leaders decided to focus on what they considered to be the most segregated big city in the United States. Birmingham, Alabama, where they planned a highly visible demonstration of their demands for equality. On April 12th, King, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, and about a thousand others will march peacefully toward downtown Birmingham in direct violation of an order by Police Chief Bull Connor that expressly forbade demonstrations. There were mass arrests, including King and Abernathy. King was held for 24 hours in solitary confinement until President Kennedy will personally intercede with Birmingham officials. A few weeks later, on May 2nd, large groups of African-American young people will join the continuing protests. After a speech given by King, they'll begin moving peacefully downtown, and again there will be mass arrests, ending with almost a thousand young people jailed. A day later, another thousand people join the march. This time, the authorities resorted to violence. As nonviolent protests spread and resistance to desegregation spread, there was often violence, and it was often on television. In this case, marchers were blasted with fire hoses, beaten with clubs, 
attacked by police dogs, even gassed. On May 10th, under pressure from the federal government, leaders of Birmingham will accept the demands of the Freedom Marchers. They had outraged world opinion, as much of it was shown on television. After the abuse of power by Alabama authorities, coupled with humiliating images of injustice and violence in America that were spreading all over the world, President Kennedy will announce landmark civil rights legislation that he planned to push through Congress. Then, in June, Dr. King and civil rights leaders will meet with Kennedy to plan a march on Washington. So this movement that had been successful in mobilizing communities is now going to try to mobilize an entire nation. A man named Bayard Rustin was the master organizer, and he had volunteers painting signs, making sandwiches to feed the marchers. He called for everyone to meet them in Washington. Security was carefully set up so that violence would not be an issue and ruin their goals. They worried that the turnout would not be large enough to attract the nation's attention. But by early afternoon on August 28, 1963, over 200,000 people had gathered for that symbolic march from the Washington Monument all the way to the Lincoln Memorial. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech captured everyone's attention, and shortly after, leaders of the march will meet with Kennedy, who promised to work with them in pushing for jobs and freedom. Martin Luther King Jr.'s policy of nonviolent civil disobedience spurred young people to find new ways to protest nonviolently, such as the sit-in movements and freedom rides. Though King would be assassinated in the turbulent year of 1968, he would be considered one of the greatest nonviolent leaders in world history. And during his leadership of the movement, African Americans will achieve more progress toward racial equality in the United States than in the past 350 years. So thanks for joining me on this special edition of the Magical History Tour podcast. We'll see you next week.